Hello, and welcome to episode 64 of the Movie Brats podcast. I am Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. Are you ready to do some horror movies, Jonathan? <laughs> I'm always ready to talk about horror films. I'm more of a fan than you are of horror films. Yes, this is definitely going to be more of a Jonathan-dominated uh, episode than a Carter-dominated one. Um, are you ready to get started? Yes, I will fill you in on the references and illusions <laughs> that you may have missed. So this is a movie I definitely would have missed a lot of the references because unlike you, I'm, I'm a novice when it comes to David Cronenberg movie. I, I've mostly just seen uh, the ones that came out this century. Um, the movie is Crimes of the Future, directed by David Cronenberg, uh, who is best known for Scanners, uh, The Fly, A History of Violence, Eastern Promises. Um, starring Viggo Mortensen, who he's teamed up with for, I think, the fourth time um, this century, uh, Leia Seydoux and Kristen Stewart. Um, it is set in the near future where human beings have lost the ability to feel physical pain and for cuts to become infected. Uh, consequently, surgery has become commonplace to the point of becoming performance art, and we focus on a pair of per- performance artists played by Viggo Mortensen and Leia Sedu. It premiered May 23rd at the Cannes Film Festival and was released wide in the U.S. Uh, last week, June 3rd. It has a Metacritic score of 65 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 77. I know you made a, <laughs> not a huge event, but definitely an event of seeing this uh, in theaters. Um, so how did, uh, how did you find Crimes of the Future, Jonathan? Well, I should say that I had just taught a whole class on David Lynch and David Cronenberg, and I had a eclectic group of friends to go with me to it. I had just some of my friends, but I had one of my favorite teachers from high school, and I had some of my former students come, so like generations of teachers and students. (laughs) Passing the baton. um, (laughs) Right. Uh, perverting the youth and the old elderly. So I had a range of age from probably like 21 to 75. Um, but yeah, I I like this movie well enough, but it, as someone who has seen all of Cronenberg's films, this is lesser, minor Cronenberg, but he is one of my 10 favorite living directors. And this is his first feature film in eight years and his first sci-fi or horror film in 23 years since Existence in 1999. And as someone who has seen Videodrome, The Fly, Dead Ringers, and Naked Lunch, and Crash, I've seen uh, better films by him. And this film feels like it's referencing and pulling from uh, other films and ideas that he's done before, but I still enjoyed it. It's a good film. It's just, it doesn't feel radically fresh or new. I mean, the fact is he actually had the script for over 20 years mm-hmm. and he pulled it out. A producer he had worked with a number of times uh, suggested, why don't we try to make this into a film? And Cronenberg thought, well, I don't think it would hold up. It's you know, a sci-fi film and there's all this technology in it, it's probably obsolete by now. And the producer producer said, no, it's more relevant than ever now. Mm -hmm. And so he pulled out the script and read it and he actually got excited about making a film for the first time in many years. And uh, we were both saying that people that are expecting this to be a massive gore fest. Grotesque or something like that. 
Now it is a grotesque film. There is disturbing <laughs> images, but it is certainly not wall to wall violent and gory. And even when there is violence and gore, uh, I won't necessarily say it's tasteful, but it is someone who you it's so it's by like a master. He's yes. 79 years old, Cronenberg. And there is some wonderfully twisted and deranged imagery in the film and acts of violence, but I don't think that it is at all gratuitous. Mm -hmm. um, so this film is certainly not for most people. And yeah. I would say that it, I would certainly not recommend this film to someone who's never seen a Cronenberg film. And even though you like the film quite a bit. You don't think really it would be a good like introduction to Cronenberg? Absolutely it, not. Yeah. Absolutely you, you not. You think it should be more chronological? Right. It would be like starting with Inland Empire for David Lynch. Yeah, would, this is very uh, easier to understand, though, than a movie like that. Oh, yeah. It's not nearly as confounding as Inland Empire, but <laughs> uh, I would certainly say that I would recommend seeing at least like Videodrome or Dead Ringers or The Fly beforehand. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll There are direct references to those films in uh, Crimes of the Future. There's this discussion of having an inner beauty pageant where they're yeah. judging organs. And there's this scene in Dead Ringers, a film with Jeremy Irons playing twin gynecologist. And he makes this uh, quip about, he always felt like there should be contests for inner beauty, like, you know, best spleen. So, uh, and there's images in the film that are certainly reminiscent of films like Naked Lunch and Existence with the skeletal, almost lobster-like uh, objects and, uh, and chairs and pieces of i don't know they're like furniture but there's this uh human quality it's like biological stuff. kind of furniture right um. and i yeah I, I enjoyed the film but it's uh it's i've seen like i said i've seen all of his films it's like i wouldn't even put it in the top 10 of his best movies but it's like a solid three and a half out of five and i certainly recommend it for cronenberg fans yes you come to it from a very different angle at me um because like I've said, I've only seen a few Cronenberg movies. And this is probably the first one I've seen by him that would be considered like body horror, which is the genre he's most associated with, I guess. I think that kind of goes without saying, but um, like, you know, I'd seen a history of violence and Easter promises and a dangerous method and maps of the stars, I think was his last one, um, which yes. all felt pretty unusual, I guess you'd say, compared to his whole oeuvre, right? Um, right like not really reminiscent of what sort of he became known for in his style. So, um, you know, not having, I wouldn't call it like baggage, but that to compare it to this felt like very original and very fresh for me. And it's like depiction of the future. I found very interesting because they never give you a date. And that's something a lot of movies fall into that trap. And then like, once we reach that date and the world isn't like that, it sort of feels very strange, but this like presents itself in like a, almost like to never be arrived at sort of future. Um, Isn't there like Escape from New York, the John Carpenter film, and it says like 20 something, and then there's like the Twin Towers in the background. Yeah, exactly. Shot. So this doesn't yeah. date itself in anything specific like that. And it gives like the future, this sort of like rusty, uh, very grimy. Everything's like covered in graffiti and everything's very dirty because I guess people can't get infected. So like, cleaning is sort of like irrelevant at this point so instead of giving you know us this like gleamy bright 
everything made of glass and sort of stuff future it's like really dirty and not really a place you want to be um which i found very refreshing um and you know very much fits more with sort of how people in 2022 see the future than maybe they did in the 1980s um so that i really like that aspect and i think the Viggo Mortensen's kind of become uh, David Cronenberg's like go-to actor over the last 20 years or so. And this was his first opportunity to really be, in, I guess what you'd call like a true Cronenberg body horror movie. Well, this is the first, I was listening to an interview with Cronenberg earlier today, and he pointed out that this is the first film that Viggo Mortensen's been in, directed by him, that he also wrote all the other okay, films. Yeah were by other screenwriters. Mm -hmm. And um, this is uh, the first completely original screenplay I think that Cronenberg has had this century uh, wow. because either another screenwriter has written the film or it's an adaptation of a novel like Spider uh -huh. and um, uh, Cosmopolis. Mm -hmm. But, um, and fittingly, Existence is the last sci-fi horror film he did. Um, and I think that uh, it's interesting, um, Viggo Mortensen's character, he has his mouth covered uh, for parts of the film. He has yeah. this cloak he goes around and it's not like, you know, is COVID still going to be around in the future <laughs> forever? You know, you know, where will the human body, you know, be in the future? What will the human body be capable of? What will mm -hmm. be the human body be used for? I mean, like Videodrome has the mantra, uh, long live the new flesh the one for this film basically is sex is the new surgery or surgery, surgery is, the is the new sex yeah, sur yeah. we hear it both ways yeah right uh, uh, sur uh yes surgery is the new sex and like we said the characters don't feel physical pain so when they're having these performance art where like surgeries, knives and scalpels or you know cutting into their skin they're it's they're and just it's, like so pleased to be like feeling it, I don't even know like what they're feeling, but they're like so ecstasy. Exactly. They're so just like thrilled by whatever is happening that it's you know it becomes something very different than how we think of surgery. Um, and I we should point out that uh Kristen Stewart has a supporting role in the film as mm -hmm. she plays this uh bureaucratic mousy. I mean, her name is Timlin, so it's uh -huh. like she's timid and and you can little, like barely catch like what did they say her name was like Tim, timid what did they say <laughs> she she gives well one thing i i think her character is a good example of this this is not like a knee slapper of a film but it's a very clever and i think actually quite funny movie mm -hmm. uh cronenberg said it can uh it had like it was one of the best screenings he's ever had for one of his films but he felt like the audience was afraid to laugh he's like yeah. my movies are funny he's, <laughs> yeah. he says they're strange and it can, they can be disturbing too but his films he said he said all of his films are funny and have humor in them mm -hmm. and i feel like kristen stewart is especially funny in the movie and she plays this woman who works for the, I don't know the exact name. It's like National, National Organ or Registry. Yeah. Right. Because so, these sort of new organs are developing in people all the time. And Viggo Mortensen's character is like the foremost exemplar of this sort of new, I don't, it's not a disease. I don't know what it is. Um, well, it's like they're supposed to in the future uh, register any new organs that they grow, but there's this, 
other side, this other cult that's led by Scott Speedman's character, <laughs> yeah. who are plastic eaters. They're eating these purple candy bars made of like they, waste, like industrial right, waste. Yeah, right. the The film opens with a little boy eating a plastic trash can, <laughs> yes. and it's his son. So uh, I, I want to point out that I'll put my film professor cap on. Do you remember what the very first shot of the film is and how we can interpret it? Is it the ocean? Is it the ocean? Yeah. So what can we interpret? Why hope in the film, you know, with an ocean? Well, humans, I get, well, the, I guess you'd say the species that eventually became humans emerged from the oceans. Right. Yeah. (laughs) To the oceans we return. (laughs) Right. And we don't want to give away the end of the movie, but I think like in Videodrome, there's a question of, uh, is a character going to die because of the actions that are happening or perhaps will they transcend to a new form, Mm -hmm. a new, you know, being a new uh, way of living. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that it's fun for Cronenberg. Well, when I say Cronenberg fans, especially the uh, ones from the previous century, like Videodrome and Mm -hmm. the Dead Ringers, it's especially fun to catch these references. In fact, the, title of the film is well, like a student same, film right right it's one that's right about an hour long it's not at all a remake of that i was film. yeah I was, just, I was curious whether it shared any sort of plot similarities or it's literally just the title right it's just and it's what's well, kind <laughs> of a nod to the audience that we're going back to old school cronenberg mm-hmm. and it is a film we were saying before that you know the word auteur you know, this is a film that only David Cronenberg could have written and directed. This is yes. 100% a David Cronenberg film. Yes. So if for anyone unfamiliar, it's a theory presented, I think, mostly by is who is who would, I guess, be the proponent of Andre Bazin is sort of well, the, and guy then who the film it. critic Andrew Saris was one who really wrote about it. Yes. Later and made his list of who he considered <laughs> to be an all. It's basically that the director is the author of the movie. Right. And this sort of theory has been debated whether it's true or not for a long period. But someone like David Cronenberg, I don't think there's any sort of argument whether or not right. he's like the author of this film. It's like if anyone thinks that author theory is like total rubbish and just show them this and it's like <laughs> would Woody you Allen could, make crimes in the future? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you could debate the merit of saying, oh, the director is like the sole visionary uh-huh. but if you but if you accept like this is the definition of an auteur, there's no way that you couldn't say David Cronenberg. Yeah, you know, He's certainly an auteur and I like the fact, and it's funny, his son has started directing films he had his second fil- uh, feature film, Possessor, come out uh, in 2020. It was one of my very favorite films, very much. The apple does not fall from the gnarled tree. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I re- I listened to an interview I said earlier today, and uh, it's really kind of touching that uh, his son was shooting his third feature film at the same time that David was shooting his uh, newest film. Uh, and that was kind of neat that they were filming movies at the same time. So uh, yeah, it's so it was I, I, uh, it was an eight year gap from his previous movie, right? Um, right, and I actually was a big fan of Maps of the Stars. Uh, I I thought that it was underrated. Um, I very much liked that movie. And he's seventy nine years old. Yes. So if this is his final movie, do you think it's a fitting way for him to end his career? I hope it isn't because he plans 
to shoot a movie next spring. Oh, does it? Uh, with with Vincent Cassell called The Shrouds. Okay. Um, that something like I read the basic premises about a man who it's something about like his wife dies and he's trying to find if he can communicate with the dead. It's like a period piece, I think. Wow. Uh, I'm not sure if all that aspects are true, but it's something along those lines. And um, it's something that he conceived as a Netflix series or a like mini series. But he said in the press that Netflix uh, has not been too keen to work with him. He said what yeah. happens a lot of times throughout his career is that he'll go to a studio or a streaming service and they'll say, we love you. We love your work. We just don't want to do this. Like the thing that he's trying to actively get made, they don't want to do that. But like, but we love you and we love your work. Uh, so I, I hope he continues to make film or even make miniseries, television. Uh, and I mean, honestly, he's been in more, he's worked more as an actor in the last uh, 10 years than he has certainly directing, but I think his acting credits are longer on IMDb now than his directing credits. So it seems he's going to be more prolific in the next few years than he has been for the last decade or so. Yeah. It's actually, this is the (laughs) fifth collaboration with Viggo Mortensen. If you want to count that Viggo Mortensen's directorial debut had Cronenberg as an actor in it, Uh, but this (laughs) is the first film. uh, This is the fourth film. Uh, that Cronenberg directed with Viggo Mortensen as an actor. Um, so, so for you, Cronenberg, borderline expert, probably, I mean, expert, we can just go ahead and say it. You give it a three and a half. For me, Neophyte in the Cronenberg game, I think it was a little more impactful for me. I think it's closer to like above, certainly above a four for me, borderline like four and a half. I, I was shocked by how like quickly the movie passed by for me like when it ended i was like oh i've been here for an hour and 40 minutes um which i really did not expect upon entering it well but i think i I'll liked s- it a lot more than i expected to well and i'll say that um my main criticism of the movie and i went with one of my best friends who is not a nearly really as a completist as i am with directors but cronenberg mm-hmm. is one of the directors he's seen all of his films and he also liked the movie but you know, didn't love it. And he said, um, and we both agree the main criticism we had of the film is we felt that it was more intellectually stimulating than dramatically satisfying. I no, feel that's like certainly true. Yeah. There's kind I of exposition dumps. Uh, and I do think the film is in a weird way for it being so disturbing and provocative. It is at its heart kind of a tender love story, but I feel like mm-hmm. too much of the film is people uh, re, you know, saying things that sound like these really cool ideas and <laughs> theories that Cronenberg is coming up with, which yeah. are interesting and provocative, but it isn't always dramatically and character driven. Uh, it's not as satisfying as drama. It didn't necessarily take full advantage of the storytelling aspect of well, like, movies, the, I guess. The, the fly is like a legitimately good romance and is like so emotionally satisfying and so powerful, the climax of the movie. Mm-hmm. And Dead Ringers, for the movie being so cold and like you want to crawl up in the fetal position in the shower afterwards, uh, it's actually very much a character driven film and it's uh, in its own kind of cold clinical way, uh, mm-hmm. a, a moving film, an emotional movie. And uh, it's not that Crimes doesn't have any emotion to it. I think there certainly is, but I feel like um, Cronenberg- Left you wanting. 
Well, Cronenberg said in an interview that he didn't change a word of the script from 20 years ago. And I think uh, perhaps he might have uh, benefited from it. Draft. Right. <laughs> uh, but I certainly uh, admire it's a movie I admire more than I out and out loved. And yeah. I really love some of Cronenberg's films, but I certainly recommend it. But I would not recommend it to the average uh, cinema goer, <laughs> even though you really liked it. I would also not like if you've only seen like a history of violence and Eastern promises, I would say like, you really should watch at least like, you know, one or two of his uh, body horror classics. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure you'd appreciate the sort of like intertextuality of it and just sort of how representative it is of a lot of themes he's been concerned with. Like the sort of focus on the body was so obvious in this movie. Um, and it seems like something that, you know, he's been interested in for basically his entire life. Um but even without that sort of context, I I was surprised by how I expected to be like grossed out. I was surprised by how sort of comfortable I was with the whole experience. And and also, um, I think one thing that's intriguing about the movie for a film that has some really shocking images and outrageous ideas, mm-hmm. it's actually a very quiet movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's like characters are, you know, doing and saying crazy things. But uh, it's actually quite, uh, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's like what's happening is so kind of, oh my gosh. But It's like normal it for subtle... the world that he creates though. Like, you know, right. you see a guy dancing with 150 ears attached to his body and you're like, oh, that's not the weirdest thing. <laughs> right. Well, it's, <laughs> well it's, it's, oh, I mean, to that point, it's funny in the scene, Viggo Mortensen's character kind of dismisses it and he's like, I was just a hack. That's yeah, I love that. <laughs> Right. I was like the performance artist, like I have a real sort of critical eye toward the surgery performance art. I don't know. I thought, you know, for someone who's not familiar with this stuff, it seemed very outside the box. But in, I thought like a really effectively rendered and not like so weird that it alienated the audience which i don't think is necessarily true of the no, next no, it's, movie. it's it's a movie that would alienate like most audiences yeah. but yeah not not me and and see it's funny though because watches a lot of movie i think i still have like relatively conservative tastes compared to someone like you would you say that's fair yes but i would say that uh it's it's funny though because you haven't seen videodrome and the fly etc uh-huh. etc that um, it felt so fresh and original, but to me, it felt like Cronenberg's greatest hits. Like it felt like, but, <laughs> uh-huh. but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed uh-huh. that, but it feels very much like he's going back to his old school ways. Mm-hmm. No, um, I think but, that's fair. Right. Um, so the next uh, movie, um, Men, directed by Alex Garland, um, who is most well-known for directing Ex Machina and Annihilation, but had a long career as a writer before becoming a director. Um, starring notably, Jesse. notably genre movies uh, directed by Danny Boyle, such as 28 Days Later and Sunshine. Yes. Um, starring Jesse Buckley um, and Rory Kinnear in about 10 different roles. Um, it is about a woman who, after tra- suffering a traumatic incident, uh, goes on a retreat to a countryside estate um, where strange happenings begin to occur in the village. Um, it premiered May 20th has a Metacritic score of 65 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 69. Um, this is a movie I was like utterly confounded by, by the end of it. But 
was enjoying until I felt like it like totally abandoned the realms of narrative cinema and became something else entirely. Um, what did you make of it, Jonathan? I don't dislike the last act of the movie. I just don't know what to make of it after one viewing. <laughs> yes. And I don't think I've come across anyone who has quite yes. found out what <laughs> Alex Garland, he wrote and directed this film. And um, I think that the first hour, you know, however long it goes before it gets really uh, wild, <laughs> it's really compelling. It's uh, it's kind of a it's a slow burn, mm-hmm. uh, but Jesse Beckley like really grounds. She's the in film like every scene, and, basically. Right, and she takes what is kind of this unbelievable and you know, fantastical premise mm-hmm. and she really makes it human. And I think that it's really eerie. I mean, mm-hmm. I want it, the mood didn't really scare me, but I found it really uh, just the mood envelops you and the atmosphere of the film. And I felt really pulled into the movie for an hour. And then the last third, you're like WTF with, and <laughs> it kind of like shocks you, but and I don't know what to make of the ending really, but I still admire a film that makes a big swing like yes. that. Um, and I think that uh, we don't want to go too much into what happens at the end, but I think kind of the. Well, it's almost like themes. difficult to spoil because it's like, I don't even know what happened and I saw it. <laughs> well, if, if the film makes you, so this woman has been married to married or just married, married. Yeah. Yeah to a man and um i think it's interesting she's been married to a, a a black man uh but pretty much every other man in the film is played by roy kinnear yes and wasn't he, was he in peterloo the Mike yes Hansel? yes he plays okay. the, like the guy who's the big public speaker that um everyone's anticipating giving his big address yeah all right he's so also like in this... like the bond films he's been in a yeah. lot of bond movies <laughs> It's like, like, oh, the guy that, like, you'll recognize him from the film that seven people have seen. Peter yeah, Luke. exactly. Uh, but, uh, but Jesse Buckley's character is made married to a black man. You see them fighting, and um, there's question whether he commits suicide or he slips, but he falls. Suffers an unfortunate accident. Yes, and uh, through the rest of the film, the main character who and her name, her first name is Harper, right? Yes, Harper. Yes. And uh, film professor cap on how can we read into that name? It's like, is she harping on, you know, is she like, is a she harpy, a harpy? You know? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which one of the characters uh, references Ulysses and the sirens at one point. Right. Um, and it's like, is she so traumatized by what happened that she sees every man as this, as the same entity, yes. you know, Roy Kinnear. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> How unfortunate. <laughs> I know, uh, but he's very good at play in a really weird way. It's funny because it's like how my brain works. So this film would make a really interesting companion piece with I'm thinking of ending things a Charlie yes. Kaufman film, which is also a psychological thriller. It's not that in which a character that, may or may not really exist. <laughs> right. And uh, about, yeah, about relationships. Mm-hmm. And in that film, it's interesting. Uh, Charlie Kaufman's previous film before that, uh, basically had two characters and Anomalisa, play, yeah. and, and the character played every other male. Yes, uh, they're all the same that, voice. Yeah. Right. 
so, but yeah, I think that man uh, certainly owes a debt to certain other horror films like The Wicker Man, this mm-hmm. kind of folk horror film. Um, but what I was going to say about men, uh, I think there's there's these folk references. There's this there's this kind of questioning of you know there's this it's a modern story that's set in the present day, but there's almost this idea that you know men and women having to put it mildly squabbles or the differences between men and women are almost like since the dawn of time biblical mm-hmm. there's the tree one well, times apples. reference with uh the house she stays in the guy talks about it being 500 years old like shakespeare or before and then there's the thing about the abandoned train line where he talks about imagining you know 200 years ago with the steam trains and stuff like that so it is very much concerned with time and like nature but i don't really know how <laughs> Well, like, I see all things... these different things. There's like the green man, sort of primal, you know, in touch with nature and time. There's these connections I make. Like, for example, <laughs> the, her husband falls and there's a horrible accident where it's like his hand gets stigmata. In, yeah. Right. Well, it gets caught in the 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 the, the, the railing, spike. Yes. The spike. And then later, one of the Roy Kinnear characters that's played by a priest has his hand cut. Yes. Like the husband, you know. So there's all these, I don't know what to make of all these connections. <laughs> exactly. There's so but, many different like elements and you're like, obviously Alex Garland thought about this, but I don't know what he wants us to think about this. <laughs> well, it's, And with it, it's such like, a big title like Men, it seems like it's trying to make such a big statement about something, you know, about like gender relations or power dynamics or like sexuality. But it's just like, what are you trying to say? Well, I was going to say that there are all these kind of different religious references, mm-hmm. connections and connections to the ancient past. Uh, but then in, we don't want to really give it away, but the, the climax in the movie has all this kind of birth imagery. And like, I don't know exactly. Like, I felt like, like it was about men and women. Birth imagery. Also right. To, um, it, yeah, it's like about men and women. <laughs> It's about time. It's, it's almost like has you know have men have bad men begotten bad men throughout history i don't know no that's, that's not, actually not bad that's something <laughs> we're just looking for something to grab on like like the uh imagery in the climax of the movie i just pulled that out of my orifice exactly <laughs> i mean but um i guess there's, but I, there, I, there is I something really to look- admire about like you said a director taking a big swing um, and I guess this is a studio movie who fun a 24, you know, right. an independent studio, but a studio nonetheless. And um, I will say that one criticism I have seen of the movie, and I think it's kind of valid is that as strong a character as Harper is in like the first two thirds of the movie, I do think it does kind of get in the last third of like girl running around frightened yeah. and doesn't have much agency and I don't know that it is completely satisfying for, for her character. Like there's provocative imagery and ideas, but I feel like the last third of the film kind of lets down her character and it doesn't really, and, the, and it's a film that really kind of, wait, it just ended? It was yeah, one of those yes. <laughs> um, I mean, like the sort of horror elements of this were very, I wouldn't say like hackneyed, but like, 
you know, the friend who you have phone contact with, the phone connection spotty, you know, the house in the country where the police can't be trusted. And, you know, maybe he's playing off of that because the rest of it is so unusual um, that the horror like connects it to a genre and to some sort of base of familiarity. But then the rest of it is so beyond the familiar that it's like a commentary. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the girl just sort of running around being scared, holding a knife, which they all seem to have in the end of Alex symbol. Every anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and also well that was notice. one where I was like, Oh, she penetrated him. <laughs> it's like that's symbolism. <laughs> Well, and I also think that uh, this isn't really a spoiler, but towards the very end of the film, the uh, friend of hers comes to the house. You notice that she's pregnant. And I don't know that. Do we know that earlier in the film? No, we had no sort of sense of that. And, uh, you know, this is coming across as like mean, but I was like, is she pregnant or is she just fat? (laughs) Which I feel bad about saying. But I think she was like obviously pregnant because it was like a, a very circular sort of bump in her stomach right. well and given what we've seen in the previous uh yes exactly years, it would it would associate that imagery with what we had seen before i also think that the film i mean it's it's certainly one that leaves it open for interpretation but both crimes of the future and men are films that i would put into the horror genre but they're not um they're not slasher typical. movies or anything like that no, the, the next one we're going to review is like an out and out typical horror film. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, uh, I, do I, we have anything else to say about men? I feel like everything we're sort of grasping at straws. In fact, like I generally liked it. No, I did too. I, I think, think the first hour is especially gripping and the, the mood is just re- the atmosphere of the film is really compelling. I was yes. very much and I don't dislike the last third of the film. I just it just, me it's time. just confounding. <laughs> It's just, right. It's, I don't know what to make of it. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe it'll make it. like a great, you know, master's final project in 20 years or something like that when someone writes about it. Um, right. well, for the time being, well, I don't know. What to with say. his other films he's directed, they're all about kind of questioning uh, uh, our place in the natural world. But yes. With tech, you know, that's true. I also, I also think that. Um, it's interesting to uh, men is one that he had the idea for and like versions of the script for like, you know, fi- 15 years or something or longer, okay. uh, for a long time before he had like the original script for this before he directed his first film ex machina. Yeah. But I think that it's interesting. I don't know how much at all it changed when they filmed this marine movie during COVID, uh-huh. but it's always interesting to read into movies that have been released in the last few years it's yeah. like this is kind of in a weird way you can think of it as a COVID movie because this woman goes to a place to be by herself and like she only really has contact besides the men she meets uh, around she has her friend someone over the phone her. sort of facetiming right. right and it's like communing with nature is she, is she going to heal herself getting away mm-hmm. from others but that isn't always necessarily the best I mean you could read it that everything she's going through is she's you know going crazy yeah like in isolation yeah are the uh, all are all the uh, are all the men looking the same played by the same actor is that her delusion is it or is it just a really weird village (laughs) right (laughs) have they made a ancient pact with evil nature people i don't know (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I'm sh- uh, you don't usually rewatch movies. I guess is, is this one you feel like you have to watch a second time to really well, give up my mom. My mom, went, on it. my mom one time said about some of the movies I've made her watch. If I put in the effort to make sense of this, I would probably get more out of it. I just don't feel like putting the effort in. <laughs> and I'm not saying that about this movie, but um, I don't have a strong desire to like watch this over anytime real soon. But it's yeah. a film that I would, you know, a few years down the road, perhaps like to reevaluate not not like i said not that i disliked it but just reinterpret it uh, yeah or see what i make of it later you know if nothing else it's an interesting trip to the movies um <laughs> right even though you were the only one in the theater when yeah exactly it. when i, I was just like it. kept saying to myself like what the fuck <laughs> well both the films crimes of the future and men uh you know, or the type of movies that most theaters would play it like one week, and then the second week it would go down to like one or two screenings a day. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to leave almost everywhere. <laughs> yeah, basically that's so, how it works. Um, go see Crimes of the Future ASAP, uh, and Men has probably left most theaters by now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yes. Um, the next movie came out some time ago, but is currently streaming and is much more successful at the box office than the other two. It is uh, Scream, uh, which basically you know just takes the title of the original one uh directed by radio silence who is matt bettinelli open and tyler gillett or gillette i'm not exactly sure um previously directed ready or not and uh vhs uh at least parts of vhs uh starring melissa barrera jenna ortega jack quaid and returning from the original series courtney cox david arquette and nev campbell um, who I think dropped out of the sequel to this one in the last week or so. Um, it is set 25 years after the original Woodsboro murders from the original Scream, and another ghost face appears and begins killing off teenagers who are somehow attached to the original victims. Um, it was released wide January 14th and is currently streaming on Amazon Prime and I believe Paramount Plus, a Metacritic score of 60 and a Rotten Tomato score of 76. Um, this is a movie I, f- I felt was very similar to the most recent Matrix movie and how sef- self-referential it was and how much it played so sort of over the top on the original, but in a pretty smart way. I think you think it was more successful than the last Matrix movie in doing this. And I think you thought this was pretty smart i i do too but you're as the horror guy uh what did you make of the new screen yes when i say like i've seen all of cronenberg's film i've seen all of the screen movies. i'm not <laughs> bragging i'm just like providing context it, it uh, provides but, context to your your reviews definitely because right. i have not um, seen all the screen movies i think i saw the first one and the second one and none of the others okay so i certainly you would not want to see the new scream without having at least seen the first one, I would say certainly see the first sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly might say that this is the best sequel in the franchise. I think it's mm-hmm. certainly the best one since Screen 2. I was really surprised how much I enjoyed this film. For a <laughs> Me <fifth>, too. <laughs> for a fifth film in a slasher series being dumped in January, I, uh, I was like, and also, you know, this is the first one, uh, rest in peace, Wes Craven, that mm-hmm. he did not direct because he passed away a few years ago. Um, but I thought it was very smart 
and it's a typical slasher movie, but a, a well done one. It's 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 yeah. it's pretty gruesome. I mean, I would I would actually say it's the most violent of the three movies. Like you might not think it, but I mean, no, it has yeah, it probably the is. most amount of violence. Um, and it's it's a uh, successful and in movies like this never really scare me, but I found it it delivers the goods. I'll say that. And I liked it best as this meta commentary on not just horror films, but film franchises yeah, in the sequels. state of movies. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it has the same title yeah, as the original, <laughs> it's like how there's been three films titled Shaft and they're all kind of sequels or they remakes or reboots, what are uh-huh. they? Um, and it plays with that concept. And I love that the opening of the movie uh, the female character who, you know, like Drew Barrymore's character in the first film is in the house and gets called on the phone, how she makes references to elevated horror, such as mm-hmm. The Witch, The Babadook, and Hereditary. Uh-huh. I just found that very funny that they would be referencing horror films. It's, you know, sometimes in movies, you feel like there's a distance between the characters and how people would act in reality because they don't know uh, it's, they don't reference movies and pop culture about what would be happening. Like zombie films that like act like there's never been a zombie movie. There's (laughs) never been. They don't even understand the concept of what a zombie is. It needs to be explained. (laughs) And I think that it's very funny that the film is deconstructing just the even the notion of a they call it a requel a reboot slash sequel mm-hmm. and i quite enjoyed the first uh 45 minutes of the last matrix film but mm-hmm. i felt like and i love the wachowskis i really admire them as filmmakers and artists but i feel like it gets disappointingly convoluted and just kind of silly like a lot of their work does where you (laughs) they you they they grab you and you just wish that it would actually be better in the end the Mm -hmm. whole film um so i i really liked how self-reflexive the matrix which what i can't i can't remember the resurrections yeah i think it was resurrections right there's like three all three revolutions reloaded (laughs) resurrections i think uh, but the newest scream, I thought, was uh, it worked as just it, not a revolutionary slasher film, but just one that delivers the goods and is satisfactory and, and mm-hmm. is quite good kills and blood and gore. Uh, but I really enjoyed it as a film geek, as a film about film geekdom and uh, the current state of cinema. I, I thought it was uh, quite amusing and for a movie that could be very dumb and phoned in no mm-hmm. pun intended with it being a scream <laughs> series but uh I, I found it actually quite clever and i was really really surprised how much i liked it yeah i mean and scream has been sort of an interesting addition to the horror franchise thing from the very beginning because it's in a lot of ways like a satire of horror movies while also being a horror movie which was why it was so strange that it formed like the bones of the first scary movie, because that was a spoof of a spoof in like a lot of different ways. And spoof the satire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, this one does a really good job of recreating that sort of satire and knowing 
and self-referential sort of aspect that made the first Scream movie really good, but about horror movies, you know, 25 years later, basically. Um, so it almost like serves the same role that the original one did 25 years ago by, you know, talking about movies like The Babadook and The Witch and stuff like that and how horror has become where it previously was like a kind of a marginalized genre has become you know one of the sort of main genres and like a pretty not guaranteed box office success but like a pretty likely box office success with most well, studios like bloom house is like right. only does horror movies and has been very successful um you're gonna say something <laughs> right well they go they they were like these sleazy grindhouse movies they were disreputable mm-hmm. and then like they talk about things like the babadook and the witch are called elevated horror like they mm-hmm. are oh these are better uh but i think that uh one thing that's really enjoyable about scream is that it's having this discussion while delivering these you know the slash and, uh-huh and just like know, fun the- surprising and it's it was really successful in that like you know you it like generated theories of who the killer was without being obvious in a, what I thought was a pretty interesting or at least entertaining sort of way, um, which can be hard to achieve, but I think they actually achieved pretty successfully. And I'm not really familiar with these directors very well. I, we reviewed Ready or Not a few years ago and I was a fan of that, but that wasn't really like a horror movie. Um I guess it is, but it's yeah, horror comedy. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, So I, you know, this felt pretty different to that. I feel like, and um, I think it was a very worthy successor of the original Scream, which um, you know I'm not a huge horror expert, but I think is really like creative, entertaining, and really holds up after you know 24 years, however long ago it came out, and. I thought this was a you know very worthy successor, and um, out of the three, it's like probably it's I mean it's definitely the most entertaining, um, and I think you could argue that it was like the most successful in what it was trying to achieve for the audience. Uh, well, I still well. think the first one's the best of all. No, no, no. I mean, of the three movies we've reviewed today. <laughs> oh, okay. Not the three screams. You yeah, said. exactly. I think the first scream is like out and out like classic, um, right. and really works on its own as like a scary movie and not necessarily a commentary on scary movies, which obviously like elevates it to a difference for just talking about elevated horror, you know, that's like a stone cold classic and this doesn't achieve that sort of level, but I thought it was like a worthy successor to the title and the franchise. Yeah. And I just enjoyed how each uh, film in the franchise has commented on the state of horror cinema at that time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like a uh, it's like a, uh, a not a lecture like it's scolding us, but it, it's just a kind of uh, the characters uh, kind of debate the merits and the where where is horror cinema at the point when this film comes out? And yeah. I'll be intrigued to see what happens with the next film. Yeah, uh, I have a I hope that Nev Campbell actually comes back because she I mean I'm proud of her. She said that. You know, she is the final girl, the scream queen of the series. And so much of the appeal of the series has been uh, her, the character, the actress, mm-hmm. and they weren't paying her very much. And she stepped away over money disputes. And I hope that perhaps 
they'll give her the money she feels she's owed. Um, mm-hmm. They did have, you know, the Futurama, there was the actor who played the voice of Bender who mm-hmm. said he wasn't going to be in the new uh, series. And he came back. He didn't get any more money, but he eventually came <laughs> back. But uh, never say never. I mean, Lynch stepped away from Twin Peaks The Return for a while over money disputes, and he ended up, of course, directing all, oh, all wow. of it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this movie made $140 million. I'm sure the sequel's probably going to make close to that, if not more. So I I hope they really should be holding back from paying who's, you know, ostensibly the star of the franchise. I think that is a little ridiculous. And I do enjoy, I did enjoy the fact that, yes, we get to see uh, a number of the cast members from uh, the original films, but mm-hmm. this film more than uh, the other ones really lets the young cast shine. I mean, yeah. all the other, all the uh, legacy characters as they're referred to uh, really <laughs> are just supporting characters in this. Yeah. Like they are not actually in it very much the running time. No, but it was um, really fun when they came back in and um, you know, some, some very consequential stuff happens to some of them and, uh, what I thought was a satisfying kind of way. But yeah, the young cast right. was fantastic. I think Jack Quaid really just distinguished himself, the son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Um, you know, I think he's going to have a career of his own. And Jenna Ortega, I think, is sort of like a young person icon. I haven't really seen her in anything except for this, but I thought she was really good. But yeah, the young cast I thought was outstanding. If you had told me a few months ago at the very beginning of the year that the new David Cronenberg film, his first sci-fi horror film in 23 years and the newest uh, horror film written and directed by Alex Garland. And then the fifth Scream film, which was dumped in January. uh, If those three films, that's the new Scream would be my favorite of the three. I would have been very surprised. Um, I do certainly recommend all of them. I think I would give them three and a half, three and a half and four. Yeah, but I like the new screen the best. Yeah, I think there were. I mean, this is by far the most like accessible um, of the three we've reviewed. Um, I think Crimes of the Future would probably be my favorite of the three, but this is definitely the most accessible. It's definitely the most entertaining, and it's just sit back and watch. <laughs> it's the one you could just actually. I mean, if, if you're not yeah. a horror fan, it is pretty gruesome, but. You know, if you're going to watch a fifth Scream film, I think most people watching it will know what they're getting into. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it's like a the other two are like they are horror movies, but in some ways, like they're not really. I guess like men is what this movie would call elevated horror. Um, I would call like Crimes of the Future actually more of a science fiction film than, than a horror, horror. film. And I, yeah. I'd call men more of like a psychological thriller than yeah. an out and out horror film. Yeah. So this one I think is the most effective as like a slasher horror movie. Um, right. And I, you know, I, I'd recommend this to pretty much anyone who's comfortable with on screen violence because I thought it was, you know, smart, entertaining, much better than I expected it to be. Uh, movie and speaking of on-screen violence carter (laughs) is going to allow me to take a few minutes for me myself only (laughs) to review a fourth 
horror film that I have politely uh, told him that he, I well, I warned him that he should probably never ever see. Because, <laughs> yeah. I won't uh, sleep for a month. <laughs> right. So um, I got a free streaming service added on Amazon Prime to watch some movies that I was interested in. And I saw ads and reviews for this Taiwanese movie titled The Sadness. And I looked it up and it got pretty good reviews, especially for a horror film. And I was reading, try not to read too much about it. Didn't watch the trailer because, you know, with horror films, I like to not know too much. But I was reading like, this is one of the goriest, bloodiest, most graphic films ever made. And I was like, ooh, that's music to my ears. <laughs> so this film is very much a COVID film. It's a zombie slash infected people film that was made during COVID. It premiered in Taiwan in January of 2021, but it was released on streaming in the US just a few weeks ago. It's on Shudder, the horror streaming service, and it has a 68 on Metacritic. And I will say like a big asterisk warning that this is, you know, as kind of uh, uncommercial and difficult and um, kind of limited of the audience that the first two films that we'd reviewed might have. Um, this is a more accessible film than those, but it is extremely graphic and bloody and gory. And like, uh, I think that a majority of people should not see this movie because it will, like legitimately disturb them. Um, the basic premise of the movie, it's about a young couple who have their city ravaged by these zombie-like infected people. There's a virus going on. It's not called COVID. They don't really know exactly what's going on, but very quickly in the movie, uh, people just start going crazy. And it's very much like 28 Days Later, Except there's a twist that I've never seen before is that they also rape people. So they're really fast. They attack people. They, you know, bite them and pull them apart. But they also just start sexually assaulting them graphically. And um, the movie has almost entirely practical effects, uh, not CGI. So when the blood starts flowing, it's, you know, that Cairo syrup or whatever they mm -hmm. use. It's not digital. And it's a movie where my jaw was kind of on the ground and it's not just, oh, it's really bloody and gory and it's devoid of any kind of artistic merit. I mean, the film really is about how society functions or rather doesn't function when there's a mass outbreak, there's a horrible, you know, virus, there's, you could, you know, this film could be you know, a natural disaster, but in this case, it's like they're zombies. Mm -hmm. And I remember a friend of mine, <laughs> this is a weird comparison. She uh, recommended this gay teen Netflix series that just premiered a few weeks ago called Heartstopper. And she said that this show will like restore your faith in humanity. And it's just like such a warm balm for our times. And it just makes you feel so good. And I said, uh, the sadness is like the opposite of that. <laughs> it's like uh, the antidote. It will make you realize. 
Well, it's yeah, it's the uh, it shows how fucked we are and how much we fail as a society when faced with adversity and a kind of cataclysm. What is the word? Cataclysmic. Right. Uh, you know, kind of um, existential threat like a virus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I really like this movie. It's uh, one that if you're into hardcore blood and gore, I think you'll very much like it. But if you're not into that, you should just not stay away. Like, <laughs> walk, like I, I told Carter if it was playing in movie theaters and you saw it was playing like you should walk to the other side of the street and pass by <laughs> i don't want to be around um, anyway but uh i <laughs> right well and i just i it, it's one of those movies and i think horror fans will get what i'm saying um it's not really a film that's funny but there are scenes that are just so outrageously bloody and gory that i was just like oh my god <laughs> i was like <laughs> laughing like that i mean there's you know a scene on the subway where character just starts stabbing people and there's it, it's not just like oh my gosh like there's blood spray it's like a geyser of blood just erupts and just sprays <laughs> everywhere and like within a few seconds there's just blood everywhere oh my god um and i do like and sincerely like one of the things that would make it really hard for a lot of people to watch is like i said they the graphic they sexual violence people. <laughs> right and you don't really see that much in like you know even the description of it makes me right. shudder <laughs> i mean just like you'll see someone look around the corner and you see flashes of just like four people like drenched in blood and gore just fucking and it's ah. like really un- <laughs> really uh unsettling uh but I uh, re- very much recommend, it's titled The Sadness. It's a Taiwanese film, originally premiered in 2021, but just fairly recently was released on streaming in the United States on Sounds Shutter. like it makes like Train to Busan look like rated G, basically. Yeah, I mean, Train to Busan is actually a fairly accessible zombie movie. And I, I mean, I'm not the average film guard, but I don't remember that movie being like incredibly gory or violent. No, it isn't really. Right. Um, uh, but I, uh, it, yeah, it's like 28 Days Later meets Train to Busan meets like the goriest, bloodiest thing. And, I mean, <laughs> irreversible. I, honestly, <laughs> well, like I, would, I would say that it is honestly, it would probably be in the top 10 most bloody, gory movies I've ever seen. And that's, and that's really that's saying a lot. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's really. I mean, for a lot. people that for people that have seen films like Martyrs and Inside, um, it, it's it's not exactly in that same category, um, mm-hmm. but it's it's a rough movie, and it's and it's also pretty dark. I mean, it's not like it's very bleak, like, yeah, nihilistic, yeah. even. Right. Uh, yeah, the ending is like oh. You're gonna end with that. It's it's a film where <laughs> you like, like take a shower. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I very much recommend the sadness. Uh, the sadness is uh, the best of the four for me. Yeah. If yeah, um, I, I very much enjoyed Scream, but the sadness was uh, one that I it's was on like a different <laughs> sort of level. Is what it seems right. like for you. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I mean, like I said, Scream is like actually. You know, it's it's a typical slasher movie, but it is you know you know bloody and gory. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sadness makes Scream look like a kids' movie. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah it's um it's 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 extreme cinema like legit extreme like i'm the type of person that sees most movies and even if i really like the movie it doesn't really phase me yeah uh and the sadness was one where i saw it and i was like oh shit this movie (laughs) (laughs) this one's the real deal this is like hardcore this is like 10 out of 10 on the blood and gore scale so um very much recommend the sadness for people who will appreciate and tolerate that type of movie mm-hmm. so uh, i not most people <laughs> right <laughs> including me most likely maybe if i'm feeling exceptionally brave i'll attempt to watch have you it ever someday. seen 28 days later yeah i've seen that um yeah, yeah there's some scary dist- it is and there's you know yeah. some dir- disturbing stuff including like sexual violence not perpetrated by zombies but you know human beings which in some ways i guess you could say is much scarier but ah oh it's <laughs> like what you described just sounds uh, like just something i wouldn't respond well to but yeah you, so you don't even want to watch the trailer no it. exactly it's like i don't know it's not something i want to interact with um you know i mean the men and crimes of the future are not usually the sort of stuff i see and if that seems like tame compared to this then I don't even want to imagine. Um, So this is a very horror-heavy episode. um, uh, For yeah, (laughs) purposely we purposely did a horror episode. Yes, exactly. Um, So two are playing in theaters now, maybe not for much longer, Um, and then the other two are already streaming. One on Scream on Paramount Plus and Amazon, and the sadness on Shutter, which is associated with AMC, I think. Well, no, it's just you, you can get uh, certain streaming services. Um, like I, I did watch it on AMC Plus on Amazon Prime, but it's also uh-huh. it's like advertised as being, you know, on Shudder. You okay. know, and just to be clear, like S-U-D-D-E-R, Shudder. Yes, like shuddering, like in reaction right. to something. Which Carter would do. I would. <laughs> I would probably do more. I'd probably puke. Um, right. <laughs> so... Thank you for listening, uh, and we'll be back with you guys next time.